It's out there, and it's been waiting for you. You're dead, Uncle Ephraim. Like hell I am. This was rather unexpected. It's Transylvania Twist. Two travelers come to a strange land to find the Book of Evil. Disney! Brought to a castle. I insist you show us inside. There. That's what it looks like. Where no one... Marissa, look out! ...should live. He always does that. When we have guests. And one of them just may be a vampire. <laughs> the search is on. Of the trees, witnessing the wild breeze. Come on, baby, run with me. Let's run. Run with me. Run with me. Run with me. Let's run. Oh! Okay. Welcome to Wages of Cinema. I'm Jack. And I'm Jim Morrison, apparently. <laughs> it's follow, a good day. Follow the weird naked Indian, Andrew. Um, <laughs> yeah, this we a, have come back with our What the Devil Is That segment. That's right. We are here for a uh, rather spooktacular uh, uh, entry in our uh, thing. It's an intense spooktacle. Oh, it's so it's so spooktical. It's so it's so intense. We we had to go to the well of, of Roger Corman. We had to. <laughs> no, I will dispute I, that claim. I, I, However, no, what no, we no. Saw? Look, what? Transylvania Twist. Yes, is the name of the movie. Look, I have to be honest with you. I did not pick this movie. I did not know this was a Roger Corman movie. I didn't think you did. Well, because again, I hadn't heard of this. Um, I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, well, for those is... of you new to the uh, segment, the What the Devil is That segment is we pick movies we've never even heard of. That's right. And you know, if there's anybody who you know can give us a grab bag of movies that we've never heard of, it's Roger Corman. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll give him that. But... And I feel like I've actually, because it's funny, because I, I told you about how over the summer I, I had like a project where I kind of, watched a bunch of roger corman movies yeah i've never seen before talked about them on the podcast yeah and uh we had a little bit of a disagreement about that but you know i know jack you... uh jack loves roger corman I... like a father i uh dislike him immensely i don't what you said that's a weird way to describe that <laughs> love him like a father what did he never paid I... for my college <laughs> i'm just saying <laughs> Our opinion of him varies pretty widely. I I have more I have more respect for him than you do. I don't I, think I, mean, I love all of his work. From my point of like view, that. your respect for Roger Corman is mystifying. I I I, I respect for you, for his you to impact. Show this much affection to Roger Corman, it would to me seems like he did pay you for your college. <laughs> I I. I I respect his impact on film history. I recognize that there are. A lot of movies they made are that are just pure like cash in, get the money and run crap. Now with this movie, what's interesting though is that this is an intentional comedy. Yes, and that's uh, and I didn't expect that. Well, I, well, I should say once I looked up the title and like I just found this on a movie list on uh, Letterbox.com, um, and uh, actually, what's interesting the poster for this movie I'm looking at right now. I think the poster actually is a little misleading to audiences really? in a slight way. Well, because the the poster says from the producer of Little Shop of Horrors, 
Which is not incorrect, but this was in 1989, and this is following on the heels of the Little Shop of Horrors musical, uh, uh, the remake. So, well, actually, now that makes a whole lot of sense. Well, that and it's like, well, yeah, technically you are correct. This is from the creator of Little Shop of Horrors. The 1960 Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, with, the one uh, that, that looks like it was filmed by Abraham Zapruder. It's a... Wow! That is a burn. <laughs> That's a little mean. Come on. Wait, like... That it's like he's what that like it's filmed like it's an assassination. Anyway, anyway, so let's get on to the movie. Sure the, I, I was pretty sure this was going to be a comedy. Uh, <clears throat> well, the title it's Transylvania Twist. This is not a movie title. This is like a special dish that Dairy Queen puts out like every year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Try so, our Transylvania Twist. It's made with ghouly whipped cream and like little spider sprinkles. Spy- yeah, spider sprinkles. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I was wondering, well, what's this going to be? Is this going to be like, is this, uh, is it going to be like a fearless vampire killers or is it going to be like a Rocky Horror Picture Show sort of thing? Mm. Because, you know, Rocky Horror had its, had its imitators, yeah. which are pretty crappy. So I'm like, which direction are they going to take? I thought they were going to go the Rocky Horror route, and and like in that in that opening se- segment where there's that woman walking through the through the woods, uh, but no, it ends up being kind of what I would describe as the Naked Gun with horror. It's it's made by well, it's made by somebody who clearly has. Uh, I mean, Roger Corman didn't direct this, which may be made clear. Uh, he, I mean, he executive produced it, so maybe he might have just th- like given like the 10 cents he had in his pocket and then it's just like, go make what you ever you want. And, um, yeah. the director is, is some guy named, uh, Jim Wynorski. Jim, um, right? Jim and he Winorski. actually has, uh, as a writer, he, uh, he wrote and directed the film as a director. Let me see if he directed this too, because under his writing credits, I see that he wrote uh, chopping mall. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I that's think I the have. that's the movie where uh, it it takes place in a mall and overnight these people are trapped and all of the all of these devices come to life and like start killing people. They, they got really serious about mall security back then. <laughs> he was also involved with movies like called Forbidden World and Screwballs and a remake of Not of This Earth. Huh. Um so yeah, he. Uh, oh no, no, yeah, he did direct some of these. He directed the remake of that. Um, so the guys who made this movie, they're clear fans of like Young Frankenstein, and and like, and I guess airplane type humor because it's a spoof of horror movies. Yes, I think my my expectation within the first few minutes was okay. Um, uh, maybe the the having Little Shop of Horrors on the poster isn't entirely like a total misdirection that, you know, that was meant to be like a dark comedy. And he made a few of them over the years. Like, uh, and a, a one I'm a fan of is called bucket of blood. Uh, if you ever get a chance, you should check that out. Starring the great Dick Miller. Um, he also made a couple other com- like intentional comedies. Like he produced, uh, this Joe Dante movie in the mo- in the seventies called Hollywood Boulevard. So I was almost a little hopeful. I'm like, okay, let, let's see what, what they do with this. I mean, sometimes having a horror comedy, 
can be a little dicey. You need to have people who are not just... I mean, it's one thing to be fans of the genre, but you also have to have, like, good jokes. Well, yeah. Uh, You have to have good writing. And with the writing in this, it ends up... It's hit or miss. It is, but I didn't expect for the hits to be so good. There are laughs to be had with this movie. I mean, what you get... I, it starts right in the beginning because it starts off with with a with a commercial for a funeral parlor yes. that sells new and used funeral supplies. Yeah, and they have like <laughs> ad space in the uh, in the, in the caskets. Or uh, they have uh, uh, wreaths that say strange things like uh uh, like your name here, or yeah, something like that, or like there's a casket with a blood stain on it, and and, and like and then uh, when they have like a f- uh, the funeral because the main character, uh, he's this guy named uh, Dexter Ward, yeah, and uh, played by Steve Altman, and the movie the story proper, so to speak, starts where he his like I think his grandfather or something is uh it's it's his funeral, but the grandfather like his eyes open up and he's really not dead. But there are also other things like the funeral has rented we, rented mourners. <laughs> or, yes. Or uh, there's a buffet going on at the same time. Yeah. It, it reminded me. And I, there's like uh, the organist who's playing in the place has like a tip jar. <laughs> yeah. They 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 they, tr- they are trying. Yeah. That's the thing in this movie. Like that scene sets a, a good precedent for what a lot of this movie is trying to do, which is just. Uh, they're they're not being too lazy and they're not being super gross about it. Like this no. was meant to be, um, <laughs> it, it it it's meant to be actually a horror comedy. I think that they wanted maybe for maybe like a family audience. Maybe maybe this is maybe some of the jokes here are aimed a little bit younger. Uh, but then there are also references to things that I don't think kids might have not gotten at that time. Like I don't know. Well, for I example, can't go back in time. Well, and be a kid well for, for example, uh, yeah. Well, for example, Angus Scrim is in this movie, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Angus Scrim is known as uh, uh, the, the guy from uh, the Phantasm series. He's the tall man. In the Phantasm. tall man. Thank you. And uh, you know, if you've ever seen the guy holding the uh, the glass ball, that's him. Um, he's in this movie. You're thinking yeah. of David Bowie in Labyrinth. He had a glass ball in Phantasm the metal 2. Silver ball. Look at the ball. Um, no, he um, he he's in this. So I don't know if kids would get that, but they don't have to. I mean, he's just there as uh, the vampire's assistant. There but, is a direct reference to uh, Phantasm. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There's a whole. I won't. I, well, I don't know if you could spoil a joke, but there is a set piece involving phantasm directly um which i have to wonder if that if if they had that written in before they hired angus scrim or they wrote that in after they hired him it wasn't exactly integral to the plot no i mean there was actually one scene i remember where we kind of turned to each other and we were like they could probably cut this scene and yeah. it was a scene with angus scrim and like the the female character uh in the movie i think that she she's played by a uh, terry copley she plays Marissa Orlock. Yes. Oh, that's the other thing too. Uh, as far as making references, Orlock, I think that's a reference to uh, Nosferatu. Yeah. Uh, again, Dexter Ward is the, a reference to a Lovecraft story. Oh, is it? The, the mysterious case of Charles Dexter Ward. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I forgot. I probably heard that of that story, and I just I just forgot. In fact, and Robert Vaughn is the 
kind of name draw of the movie. Basically, and I think he does the best acting job in this film. Yeah, played uh, he plays Lord Byron Orlock. Yes. Again, you see the type of references we, we're, we're dealing with here. And... Uh, and in case, uh, so in the movie, it's it, they need to. It's it's one of these MacGuffin stories. Like uh, Dexter Ward is asked by his grandfather, "You have to go get this book called the Book of Ulthar." Maybe that's a reference to something. I don't know. Yes, is that's that a, that's that's a Lovecraft reference too? Wow. Okay. Yeah. This movie. This movie's a little Aren't more you literary. Glad I'm your co-host. Yeah. I, I would have been like... Well, that... I, but literally, they've just plucked two name references from Lovecraft titles. It's not like you had to read the stories to get the references. Yeah, but that's a, that's a that brings up a point in this, but I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. So basically, Dexter Ward has to go with uh, Marissa Orlock, because, again, Marissa Orlock is kind of part of the, the bloodline, and go to Castle Orlock uh, to, to, to confront the Count and uh, uh, Lord Byron and Orlock. figure stuff out. Yeah, and, and see if they can try to kill him and blah, blah, blah. Castle Orlock, by the way, is stock footage from the Roger Corman <laughs> film The Terror. Uh, well, not just The Terror. I think that was also Pit in the Pendulum. It is all, okay. Or it might have been The Terror, too. Well, we'll get to The Terror in a second. Um, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, well, if you didn't know that this, if, if somehow you it kind of passes you by that you, Roger Corbin, executive producer on this, he reminds you yeah. because he uses the, 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 the director, Jim Wynorski uses that stock footage of the exterior of the castle many times, yes. almost as like a, almost, uh, like almost. a, like a musical note, like, but to comedic effect initially it actually does i saw you laughing a bit more than i was at that um and i think it worked because i think he knew like i think he might have actually reused that footage before too like back in the 60s with some of his poe movies um yeah and uh also what well, um so yeah so this movie as we said it it's hit or miss with its jokes. It's written by two people who I think were genuinely trying to write a, a comic script. Um, the problem is that sometimes, you know, it's, it, it's difficult, I think, sometimes to pull off comedy, like, more than other genres. Like, we've watched certain mo movies during this whole series where, you know, there, people were just trying to do, like, a straight drama or, or maybe something a little bit off the beaten path, like that, uh... That girl in the glasses and the car and the sights and the Freulaven and whatever. Um, I, I forgot that whole title. But the point I was making with that was they didn't have they weren't trying to be funny. This no. I think that have we done like, like a comedy in this series yet? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to say that as the God's Will was kind of a comedy, but no. Uh, <laughs> Well, that was... But here's that, the problem. In a, in a sense. Again, this is... The script in terms of comedy is highs and lows. The yes. highs, when they hit those highs, are awesome. Because, you know, you have the, the whole funeral scene, which is, you know, just chock full of good gags. There's also when they go to the, uh, like, the, the, the village bar. 
You know, like yeah. again, like just like in Dracula, you have your your J- bar, just where, like in any Hammer film. Yeah, they, where, where the guy, where the characters like, stop. Oh, in. I'm going to Castle Dracula. Everyone turns and goes, <gasps> and you have like, and they have like all the reactions, and they just the they guy really, who jumps out the window. Yes, exactly. Which is, you know, that's great. Or it's like early on when they when uh, the two characters are on a film set and they just decide to go somewhere private and they walk onto the set of the Honeymooners, <laughs> and. Maybe that one yeah. was just me, but still pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then, like suddenly, a uh, Art Carney lookalike walks in and says, yes. "Oh, hey!" But uh, those are great. But then it gets into really low lows. There are times with, where they make some bad puns, with topical jokes, and references to pop culture that are really, really dated. American Express card commercials. Do you remember that? Do you remember that, guys? Don't leave home without it. I'm old enough to remember those, but even I had trouble. Even I had trouble placing it. They make a reference, I think, to Johnny Carson. Well, Johnny uh, Carson, that I could even let go because that's just like that. That is more of a pop culture staple. But they I made don't think they made a or it. they make like a reference to the Jane Fonda workout video yeah. twice. Um, they uh, it, it's. I think that it, it's a problem of you know that. I think everybody is trying as far as their characters. Like, everybody is kind of locked in with what they're doing. I'm not saying the, the problem act- is that... I'm sorry. I'm not saying the actors are bad. I mean, I think they do a, It's more a about the material. Job. Yeah. The the comedic material... A lot of the comedic, the comedic material is sometimes very weak. I You have... Uh, it, and most of the jokes fall on the Dexter Ward character. Yeah. And, you know, it's not that he's bad at it, it's just he has to make all the terrible jokes. Here's the deal with this guy, and this is actor uh, Steve Altman, right. who I don't, I'm not really that familiar with. Uh, my first impression of him, uh, as I said, he seemed a little bit like discount Judge Reinhold. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever seen Judge Reinhold the movie, then, then you might get what I mean. He also reminded me of, I don't know, like my, my, my impression of... Of uh, what st- like certain stand-up comics were like in the eighties, like the ones who are kind of forgotten now, mm. like the, the, the you know those types of guys who you know could maybe tell a little bit of a straight-laced joke here and there, and I'll throw in a little Elvis in there for you, and like there's a bit where he just does imitations. Yeah, because I guess he, does he can. All, he does like all of the imitations. Yeah, this. he does Ed Sullivan. He does Elvis. He does. Uh, couple other people that reminds me there is uh one of the good bits they randomly early in the movie have a honeymooners joke right that actually is pretty funny again it might be dated but as a person who has watched the honeymooners every year i think the honeymooners is pretty well known in in pop culture but but it is a really good joke actually yeah you know i it's it's but then there are some yeah, jokes nice. that feel yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry. I kind of stumbled no. There. But but there are some jokes that feel like we have to do them because it's a horror comedy. Like like it, it, here's a placeholder. Here's where we have our exorcist joke. Yeah. And of course, here's you know they're gonna spray green slime on the character. Uh, uh, it's funny because I told you there was one gag in this movie that ended up. I think like I have no idea if Mel Brooks watched this movie, but there was a joke that ended up. I saw the same joke in Dracula Dead and Loving It, which is, I feel kind of sad because that's probably going to be Mel Brooks's final film, and it's not very good. 
it's almost like the quality of this movie. It's like there are some jokes that land, but there are a lot of jokes that don't. Mm-hmm. That takes because there's a particular joke involving a, a staking yeah. of a character. Now Mel Brooks took takes the joke much farther, like than this movie did, but it's a similar type of premise and execution. Uh, so I, don't know, I just found that interesting as far as like kind of weaker parody type movies. I think that's the problem is that it's it's trying to do a lot. Like and I almost give, I give them credit because they're doing parody, but they also have some jokes that are based more on the behavior of characters in like any horror, any horror movie. Yeah. There are times where also an like an actor might just once or twice I feel like an actor went off script and that was very funny. Yeah. Like there's one point where I think one character just gave a look or said something like that's just stupid. Or something. I forget what that was, and I'm I'm blanking on it. But. I think it, the the performance in this the performances I think are pretty good. The two that stand out to me are Robert Vaughn as Lord Byron. Uh, yes, he he he, he commits. Put, he, he he commits to the whole thing. He puts on these airs of being this sort of sinister count, but I don't. But but he doesn't chew the scenery. Uh, he he keeps it he. he he keeps it uh, under wraps, and he's able to just, uh, be, as you say, commit to it. Yes. The other one that really stands out is Ace Mask, who plays Van Helsing. <laughs> Which is, god damn, that is a great name for an actor. He's like the Leslie Nielsen of this film. He's, he plays it mostly straight. Which is funny because he, when he first came into the film, I thought that they were making like a... Like a, a one-off Sher- joke. Well, a Sherlock Holmes joke. He looked more like Sherlock Holmes well, yeah. in the getup he had. Like he had the whole the hat and and the and the coat. He he, and... was, he was dressed like a typical like Hammer movie Van Helsing. But but to talk about as far as the kind of writing that this movie has. For example, they they have like a kind of you could almost say backstory for uh, Van Helsing. Yeah, and it, you know it's. It's kind of adorable because it it's like they, they, they show like little Van Helsing like in classes and he has, he's like a little kid. But he he has a had, little boy. He has a mustache. Yes. He has a mustache. He has to, he gets in trouble for staking somebody in class. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's okay because he stakes a vampire. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he, he's playing it straight. He, he is quite good. So he has, and he also has the best deliveries for jokes. Yeah. When he's just speaking quickly and rattling off lines he doesn't have to he doesn't have to uh look around like our our dexter ward character he he's playing it straight and doing and doing the whole thing very seriously yeah whereas steve altman again as uh as dexter ward he's supposed to be like our kind of technically our lead outside of van helsing not van helsing outside of uh lord byron yeah and he's just kind of like a goofball like he he's meant to be the comic relief he even has a song at one point that's about uh having a filler song yeah and he also calls himself the comic relief in one scene yeah and that could be fine which would would help if he was funny i think that the problem is though that's that's where the movie is a little bit off because like you said, that people like Robert Vaughn and Ace Mask and uh, and Angus Scrim, they're playing it straight. They're going more for what Airplane did and why Airplane is brilliant. Because everybody in Airplane is playing it straight. With the, maybe they're like one or two characters that are that are more goofy, but for the most part, and you know, like in that movie, um, 
Oh, I'm blanking on his name because he was kind of forgettable. But but the guy who's the main guy in airplane, yeah, uh, you know who 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 ends up you know piloting the plane. The guy with the drinking problem. Yes, <laughs> it's a drinking problem where he dr- throws the glass of water on himself. Yeah, um, yeah, I, he played it straight in that movie. Julie Haggerty played it straight. Everyone in those in, in those movies, like Airplane or or Naked Gun, they all play it straight. If Steve Altman wasn't doing these goddamn imitations, which are just again, I felt like I was watching a little bit of like a like a. So-so stand-up comedy. Like a so-so stand-up comedy bit. Like, he should have had, like, a brick wall behind him. Yeah. Like, back in the 80s, that was the standard thing. I, if instead instead of, of playing it straight, though, and just being part of that film, he's always, like, pointing things out and making, like, self-aware remarks, breaking the fourth wall and things like that. And, like, and, and that's okay in a certain context. If you're going to do sort of, like, a Looney Tunes cartoon sort of... Uh, you know, or don't you, worry, we'll be, we'll be. Or you need, or, or, or as we said, you need somebody who, frankly, is funnier. Like in UHF, that was something that came to mind a couple of times. Like the, because the, the whole thing with the funeral parlor and all those jokes. Like there's a funeral parlor joke in UHF, as I told you. Like there's a whole gag involving plots are us, which, yeah. which is great. But but Weird Al Yankovic is a really likable funny uh protagonist in, in uhf and he's then able to play off of other people like kevin mccarthy and and other people are playing it more straight um you can ha- you can have that but you That's- just a you have to make it more clever and you have to have somebody who uh is able to just be on it and it's you not can, like he's can- ter- terrible it's just that he's not up to the quality of some of the other people in the yeah movie. you can have the straight approach and you can have the self-aware approach like commenting on everything around, but you can't mix them. One other thing that I think could have made this movie a little bit more interesting is because if you notice in the first 20 minutes, the, the, the director and his uh, crew, there really are also going stylistically for some interesting things. Again, the whole yeah. uh, tact with that funeral commercial. And then uh, they have a music video, yeah, <laughs> uh, which for the uh, Terry Copley character, which we thought was like, okay, this is not a good music video, <laughs> but it sure feels like a music video. It it's edited like a music video. Um, and I don't it has know. All I, these great visual touches. It's it's riding that piece. What happened was, I think they were they thought, well, we can ride this. We can walk this tightrope. We can go. We can walk that line between something that is intentionally like cheesy. And something that actually is cheesy. And unfortunately, they fell over into the actually cheesy part. They didn't quite. They didn't quite stick it. But it was was interesting. And then, then also again, the the honeymooners bit. There's also a scene in a library yeah. that I thought that I think we both found very funny. A lot of creative camera work in that. Yeah, but then the problem is they kind of drop that in the like in a lot a lot of the rest of the film. The music video part is like the skeet surfing section of Top Secret. Yeah, I, I again, it's been a while since I've seen that, so I'm right. just trying to remember. So you know, you imagine that sort of over the top, r- ludicrous approach to like a sort of surfing mu- uh, like a sort of surf rock song. Yes, uh, this is one that kind of goes with sort of like a ridiculous take on an '80s song, and they do an okay job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now let me get also. There is one other. There's also one other very clever visual bit that i think i just found great uh going back to boris karloff 
Yes. The late Boris Karloff. Again, he was dead 20 years by the time they made this movie. He makes an appearance in it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It's kind of they, appropriate. They, uh, there's a moment where Steve Altman walks into a room and... It's Boris Karloff is there. There are clips, I think... It's stock it must have, footage of Boris Karloff. From the terror, which is amazing because... The whole reason the terror got made was because Boris Karloff owed Roger Corman two days. And it's like, I have this set that's still up. And, you know, I don't, you know, if I, I could go play golf, but it's raining. So I don't, maybe I'll just go make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's how the terror got made. In a way, and it's, it's in a way that whole sequence in this film, Transylvania Twist. Yeah kind of encapsulates the whole story of the terror it's like let's exploit boris karloff to the best of our legal abilities yes we'll get him back on these two days we will use his footage we'll make the most of it and whatever we do it, however crappy it is yeah. we'll just put it in and then and they're even like set even like uh what's his name altman uh, Stephen Altman. Stephen Altman. He says, "Wait a minute! I remember you were in like uh, uh, the Terror, and it's, and it becomes a bit. I don't want to say fan servicey, <laughs> self indulgent, more like of it. The yeah. <laughs> well, it's like to... oh, of all the Boris Karloff films, you you decide to talk about that's the one. <laughs> yeah, you you have a whole library of work, like decades of." of terrific performances you go for that one you know what's ironic about like the gorilla i've never seen the gorilla did we watch that movie we did not watch the gorilla i might it's be confusing that with a different gorilla movie th yes did it's we a watch a movie gorilla. with like the ritz brothers or some shit <laughs> yeah, that's years the ago one with the gorilla but that's not boris karloff no that's a different there was like a ripoff marx brothers or ripoff ritz brothers movie comedy it we was watched a ritz years brothers ago. movie thank you um, but what's ironic, what I was about to say, was this whole thing with Karloff, this is a slight tangent, but Kar Karloff's last movie was actually, it was technically a favor to Roger Corman, like, because he, uh, Peter Bogdanovich, the director, he was working for Corman at the time. Oh, was it and, Targets? Yes. Um, for those of you who don't know, like, Peter Bogdanovich's first movie, he was working for Corman at the time. Roger Corman came to Peter Bogdanovich and says, uh, Roger Corman still owes me two more days uh, or something Karloff. like that. What did I say? You said Roger Corman owes me two days. Well, <laughs> that, that's a Freudian slip. Um, Karloff owes me two days. Can you write a, Can you make a movie around him? Uh, and then Bogdanovich came up with this movie inspired by uh, Charlie Starkweather, of all yeah. things, about a guy who's going out there just uh, uh, using a sniper and shooting people. And he somehow decided, okay, I'm gonna. It's all gonna lead up to me shooting people at this drive-in that Boris Karloff is at. And I think they ended up hiring him for like a couple more days or something. And uh, Targets is a really good movie. If you if you guys ever Targets check is that on out. my list of films to see. You, sh I think you should check it out. It's a it's a good end to Karloff's career. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it ended up being a little more prescient than we would have liked. Yeah, I mean, it is like. Yeah, you could say. Well, I mean, it, well, that was well. It was an interesting movie because he Bogdanovich has said that he made that in part because you know the, the, he was trying to do a commentary about how you know it used to be that we would go to the movies and have all these you know people in a castle and, and monsters and and that's what was supposed to scare us. But now 
you know, what's scaring us are, you know, we'll be walking around and somebody's going to shoot us from a clock tower. Right. You know, that That's the new thing that's really scaring us is violence just out there. So yeah. I'll make a movie about that. And that sucks. So It, it kind of does, but it, it made for an interesting film. Right. But what's, yeah, but so Karloff gets a credit in Transylvania Twist. It's a bizarre moment, but I just laughed at the, at just... In the sure, end, why not? In the end, part of it. yeah, it was a good move. It was, it was... I mean, but that's what I'm talking about. It's like, the highs on this film are higher than they deserve to be. Yeah, they put... I, that was yeah. a pretty clever use of Boris Karloff. Yeah. In a Roger Corman executive-produced film, and it's... It shows what I like about his work when he is uh, giving his... Or, whether he's doing it or letting, or people who are shooting for him... Where there's a certain charm to it, even though you can tell how cheap everything is and how there are people who are just not that good actors. Like, any woman in this movie, even, like, the main actress, not that great. No, she's like uh, Priscilla Presley levels of acting ability. Um... More like an almost there Priscilla Presley. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> I think Priscilla Presley was a little better in Naked Gun yeah. than this. But, uh, but I, I could see your point. Um, so I'm trying to think of other things to, again, I mean, we, this is one of those movies that, uh, uh, it's free on YouTube. Uh, so if you want to check it out, it's actually available there. Um, and, uh, I don't know if, if you really like horror comedies and you know, you, you don't want to see something that's a little more gross. Like, uh, for example, I've, you know, I've seen the first two scary movies, scary movie movies, I should say it like that, because that's... Um, And I I enjoyed those at the time when I saw them, I remember. But but on the other hand, I was also, like, 16. So I just also... Maybe that was... Yeah. You know, it hit me at the right age. You were a much younger man. Yeah, but that... that, Yeah. Yes, I was much... Yeah, much younger and maybe a little more mature. Um, Like, those, those are the kind of jokes that in those movies... Uh, I mean, there's some clever stuff in those films. I'm uh, or the first two. I'm not. I haven't seen the other sequels because I've heard they're garbage. Um, but uh, um, but they were trying in those. But then there are also jokes where oh, there's there we're gonna have a bit where a uh, like a like there they, there's like one bit in Scary Movie two, no, no Scary Movie one where like they're they're parodying a scene from Scream two. I don't know if you remember. Did you ever see Scream 2? No. Well, there's this opening scene where they're like they're showing the movie that was made about the events in Scream 1 in a theater. And there's this character that goes to the bathroom while the movie's going on. And he thinks he hears like someone kissing in the bathroom stall next to him. So he puts his ear like right next up to the, the stall. And then like the knife goes like right through his ear. How did they know he would have what his head there? <laughs> I don't know. Unless there's like a camera there or the guy's like watching over the stall. It's I, like, right, uh, right. Uh, leave that to Cinema Sins. I, I don't know. It's um, stupid. But but the scary movie joke is the guy puts his ear up and there's a dick that, that comes through a hole and tickles his ear. Uh, <laughs> makes about so as if, much sense as the other <laughs> Transylvania Twist, probably a better movie than Scream Two, um, but yeah, I mean, if it's you're not, looking, I don't think you could drive a, I don't think you could drive a knife through someone's skull. 
Well, no, it's through a bathroom stall. Well, I don't think. Well, he didn't die immediately from getting stabbed through, through that. Like then, like that was the first, that was the first stab, and then the killer like gets out of his stall and then goes in and just kills the guy. It's a pretty stupid approach. It's one of those Kevin Williamson kills. He lost. He lost his element of surprise right there. Yeah, pretty much. Scream Um, two. You're on notice. <laughs> a Scream 2 is like, we're going to make kind of a funny movie, but it's a serious movie that's about sequels and things. Sequels and things. Yeah. The new candy um, bar. But, but Transylvania Twist, as we said, like, again, there there will be times where you will roll, where you will roll your eyes at some of the jokes in this movie. Yeah. There are some groaners. But then it's almost made up for by a lot of other jokes. Which is, you know, I, I like when a comedy can pull that off. I mean, not, I mean, it's it's great when you I get... I like when a comedy has all good jokes. This doesn't quite have that? No. No. I mean, this isn't Black Dynamite or uh, or Airplane no. to, like, that quality level. Um, but they're, but like, I, I keep going back to th- this phrasing because I don't have another word for it. They, they're trying. Like... If I was in the old Roger Ebert uh, movie scale, like this would get a thumbs down, but it would not. It would get an admirable thumbs down. It would get like a like a two and a half out of four stars type rating. Or something. I would give it like a thumbs up because I say really? this is worth seeing. No, 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 no. I'm I'm saying it's still worth seeing. It, it, it's just that I would always. It, it's still. I, it, it's there. There are things about it that are that don't. I, I don't know. For for me, it's like thumbs up, thumbs down means see it or don't see it. Mm. Thumbs up for me means see it. This is the kind of movie that has like the the library in the movie is called Arkham Library. Yeah, another reference. <laughs> Jokes like that. Uh, oh, you know what was my favorite joke in this movie? What was your favorite joke? Like or reference, I should say. All right. There's just this random moment where um, uh, as uh. Uh, Dexter and uh, uh, Van Helsing and, and that whole group—they're they're leaving the the tavern to go to the cav- to the to the count. Um, all of a sudden, you just randomly see Pinhead walk out, and he doesn't yeah. say anything like for a sec, like ten seconds. He's just walking to the camera, and he, then he, he says, "He's walking out of an acupuncture acupuncture office." And then he says, "I don't know about you, but this hurts." <laughs> Which I was really hoping they would develop that gag because as the scene before it was playing out, those guys like got into a carriage and drive away. They were the the acupuncture sign, mm. Transylvania acupuncture, was visible in the background. Oh really? Like wow, that's a very strange thing to put I, in the I think shot. I missed it's actually, that. It's actually a nice little sight gag to have in the background. Mm. But then as that carriage pulls away, they focus on the office and like, wow, they're actually gonna do something with this ah. instead of just leave it there. Right. Um so again, I'm I no no, I, I will say I enjoyed the movie more than I didn't. It's just that Again, it depends on your tolerance for puns that sometimes don't land and some jokes that don't land. And Just be prepared. Yeah, just be prepared because <laughs> there is some bad acting here and it's not like intentionally like trying to be like a bad horror movie type acting. No, it's just that they got no money and, uh, um, and again, lots of stock footage from, uh, again, other Corman movies. Like, again, specifically, in case you're trying to look for it, it's, uh, um, 
again, I, I yeah, the terror. You know, um, it might be fun. What's up? Make a movie called Stock Footage the Movie, or at least make that the working title, and just build it out of stock footage. Mm, you got it. The challenge is to make it a somewhat coherent story, and then uh, just create the greatest visual impact that you can. And the only problem like Ed is, Wood. Ha- well, the problem is you'd have to use all public domain titles, I guess. Yeah. We're, we're we're going theoretical. Luckily, Night of the Living Dead gives us a lot of uh, stuff to work with. Yes. Um, I guess it's just it basically just becomes extreme montaging. Yeah, yeah, I could see that too. Um, you could probably unify it pretty well with us with a nice soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Again, and uh. that would be an interesting challenge, like to do a movie. I, I'm sure that that probably exists somewhere, probably. like a movie, like stock footage. The movie, like I'm sure that it must um, it must exist as an experimental film somewhere. Yeah, yeah, something like I mean, that. An experimental film is. The yeah, whole idea no is that shortage. you're taking other medium and and putting it together for, for your own loose. But yeah, that 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 Boris Karloff scene, uh, it, it's it's. I wish more movies could kind of do that, where you take a, a character and almost do like a, like, because uh, <laughs> that scene. I, I just keep going back to that, but that is, uh, they create an entire scene out of his lines that it, that steve altman's reacting to it's just it's just brilliant yeah. um so if you've seen this movie or or if you decide to check it out you can always send us an email to wages of cinema at gmail.com we're also on facebook and twitter at the wages of cinema podcast uh, make sure to follow us at those uh links um and uh, when we come back we will have more wages to wage we are in our hundredth episode Yay! Ah. <laughs> That's doing a little fake sound of like a kazoo. Um, stay tuned, everyone. It had to be cool. Transylvania twist. With the good news. There is no good news. Never has this much terror splashed across the screen. Boris You're kidding me! You think I'm mad, don't you? From the producer of Little Shop of Horrors comes Robert Ball, Terry Copley, in Transylvania Twist. It's twisted. Oh, Uncle Barry, I can tell you're upset. <laughs>